Welcome to The Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And we're here to bring you another episode of The Drop. This is our segment that we do, not one of our normal episodes. We started doing this as a segment sort of between episodes to let you know everything that we've been watching, listening to, reading, hearing, uh, that we wanted to share with you because these are conversations Brandon and I normally have anyways, and we wanted to bring you guys in on the conversation. So with that said, what you been experiencing, my friend? Oh, experiencing. That's a whole other question. That's what true. That's what? true. <laughs> I've been what substances have you been ingesting? I've been sir? experiencing life, man. <laughs> um, uh, actually, you know, you mentioned something last time. You, uh, the Michael J. Fox movie, Still. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think? Uh, heavy. Yeah. I get it. I was big. I was bigger than bubblegum. I woke up and I noticed my pinky. Auto-animated. Parkinson's disease. I told Tracy the news. In sickness and in health, I remember her whispering. No one outside of my family knew. There was only one reason I took these pills. To hide. You said it really stuck with you. What? It did, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why. I think... Um, I think it is one of the stronger central theses, theses of, a, of a documentary that I've seen in a, in a while. It's a very, very strong central message to it, I felt. Um, and I think that the, the obvious irony to harp on in a movie like that would be here is an actor who makes his living... Uh, inter through behavior who is whose behavior is crippled by this disease right but they get into the specificity of why this is especially ironic because it's Michael J Fox who is possibly uh, no no um, no uh, insult meant towards uh, James Brown but is the hardest working man in show business this is a guy who shot Back to the Future at the same time he was shooting an entire season of Family Ties. I didn't know that until I saw the documentary. He basically didn't sleep for three months and turned out those performances, which I believe he almost also won an Emmy that year for Family Ties. Uh, yeah, it's just he's a guy who just in his professional life and in his personal life just could not stop. And here is a disease that makes him unable to stop that ends up getting in the way of all of that. Um, but really, so, so yeah, so it's not just about the physical, but about, you know, there's this great clip where his physical therapist says to him, I understand it's hard, but you have to understand it's hard because it's Michael J. Fox, <laughs> because Michael wants to go full bore. Michael has to learn to not be that Michael. And uh, that, 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 really, that really hit me. As, as do, you know, a lot of stories about actors drive home especially hard with me uh, obviously because one I'm an actor but I think it's also because we're the ones who are at the center of the storytelling experience and when suddenly we are the subject of a of a story it's uh it's a really um top knee survey event is it because I'm not projecting anything here but because a lot of actors kind of need to be to, to to be social, to be creative, to be sort of engage culturally, they kind of have to be somebody else. That's a real it's a, it's a, it's a mm. protection, it's a buffer. 
you know, the, there's the great irony is that a lot of actors are very shy. You know, I don't think he is, but a lot of actors are. And the comfort of, uh, ha- of wearing a mask of being somebody else is really, really liberating. Yeah. And then suddenly it's not, uh, it's not the persona or the mask anymore. It's you. And in his case, it's a really vulnerable, really scary uh, thing that he's going through. Yeah. And how long he hid it. I did not realize how long he had had. Oh, that's, yeah. The Parkinson's before he ever announced it. Yeah, well, that whole chapter on not just dealing with it while he's working, but that section about how he masked it. And when you go back and you look at the footage that they show you, it's clear as day once they say it. But at the time, he had every he had the world fooled. Yeah, and and one reason he had it fooled is because he was always, uh, a, a, like you said, not just in his ambitions and in his personal life, but just as a performer, he's always super kinetic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always he's always kind of bouncing around a lot. So if you so he kind of, I think that's one reason it took people so long to kind of catch on uh, to to it because he was always moving around a lot. And there's a the editing. I just want to call it the editing, and it was so precise when they would go find footage because he's he, there's so much archival footage of him and some of it's from the you know takes that are lifted right right out of the movies it's not even behind the scenes stuff it's stuff that was right right in front of our faces yeah. and you hear him saying you know like i could tell when the uh cinemat which is the anti uh parkinson's uh pill that he helps him keep still he could tell when it was wearing off and he could feel that he was running out of time. Yeah. And there are some shots in there where you could see him fighting to be still. And you can see his eyes, he goes someplace else. He's not thinking about the scene anymore. He's not thinking about, he's thinking about, I need to get back. I need to, I need the pill again. I need a pill again because I'm about to, I'm about to unravel in front of everybody. And you realize that's how on the edge he was the whole time, how he timed those pills to within, within minutes you know, knowing exactly when they were going to lose control over him and he would lose control over himself in front of people. It's, and it's also just kind of, it's, you know, especially our age, you know, we grew up watching him. Yeah. Well, that's another interesting thing is that I, I watched Family Ties was a, was a show that we watched, but that was before I was an actor. So that was before I was analyzing things as an actor. Right. So to go back and see those clips from Family Ties demonstrating his, comic timing mm. uh i was like he was he was really good right he was really really good yeah i just say that the, the it's not the point of the documentary but i ended up appreciating him a lot more because at the time you know he was just a pop culture icon you're kind of he's kind of fed to you in a way that it feels inevitable and he doesn't you don't quite know why he earned it you know but you've in the documentary you get his backstory you find out how difficult it really was for him and yeah, my appreciation for him is just, you know, nothing to do with the struggle or the Parkinson's, but just his talent, like you said, his, his comic timing. Yeah, once in a generation. Man. So that's two thumbs up for, uh, it's called Still, and it is the Michael J. Fox documentary on Apple TV. Yeah. Um, what else you got? Uh, well, here's a, this might be kind of a weird one because you bailed, you, you stopped watching Barry, right? I, you know, I've been thinking about maybe going back and giving another shot. 
uh, should. Uh, yeah, I think I should. Because that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I've been watching Barry and... There's so many shows I love that I've done that with where, okay. where I, I fell off and then I went back. Like Ozark is a prime example, as is uh, Succession. Yeah. Su- succession. Well, we can't talk about that this time because because Dara's not here, so I'm two episodes behind. <laughs> oh, you haven't even seen it. Oh, man, so I'm just spoiling yeah, it not yeah, only for yeah. the audience, but for you too. Right, yeah. Okay, I'll, let me, I'll spoil one thing. Okay. It's great. Oh, okay. All right. That's Well, that's to be expected. Mm. And I'll, I'll, I'll say it once before, maybe on the this show, I don't remember, but I think um, Bill Hader mm. is heading for uh, many, many... Uh, accolades and awards in the directing department. Uh, you've said that before to me, and I'm, I said that's part of the reason I really want to go back and, and watch. It's it's amazing. It's, How many of those episodes does he direct? I think. Oh, don't quote me on this. I think this last season, I think he's doing all of them. I know he's directed a lot, and I think this time he's like fully in charge of the entire season. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, what else? What else I've been watching? Uh, Man, there's another season of Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and I'm still, they're still awesome. They're still stupid and brilliant. They're still brilliant court jesters. Uh, Mike Judge is a genius. And it takes a genius to write characters that stupid. Because they are so, he's finding ever more creative ways to make them just so magnificently stupid. I love them so much. I have to give away the plot of one of them. It's the a um, the augmented reality episode. So Beavis and Butthead are in a mall, and they're looking around, and they see a kiosk selling sunglasses next to a kiosk selling virtual reality. And they just look at the virtual reality one. They go over there. They can't read anyway. They go over there, and they grab a pair of sunglasses off the thing, thinking that they're VR goggles. Put them on, and then they're walking around the mall and deciding after a while, this game sucks. <laughs> and like... How do we start over, butthead? Uh, I think we have to die or something. <laughs> and the rest of the episode is them trying to kill themselves. <laughs> I, may, I may be wrong. You may have. I remember you telling me about this, but I can't remember if, you, if we did it on, a, on an episode of The Drop or if you just told me in passing. I mean, you've done it. It's worth mentioning twice. It's worth mentioning twice. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I watched a, a movie recently. Um that was uh, one of these movies that was made um, on a locked down location during the pandemic. Uh, and I'd grown to really dislike these movies because I, I, I felt like, I think as an artist, I look at people that were making things in that situation. And while I, I absolutely hats off to them, I just, I just didn't want to dwell in where we all were, <laughs> you know? But this is not about that. This was just made under those conditions. It's called Something in the Dirt. We're going to try to prove the supernatural. We're going to need some kind of visuals. People won't believe it. Start over. And it's this filmmaking team, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. I think they're incredibly talented filmmaking partners. They did The Endless and synchronic and um, they became known as making films on, on ultra low budgets and now they're they're actually they're the uh, the go-to directors maybe the producing directors for uh, Loki and um, Blue Legend 
in other words. Yeah, not not this one, no. And um, I, I like them also as people. They're really good dudes, and I think they're incredibly talented. And this movie just kind of um, uh, went by. Not a lot of people saw it, but I, I absolutely think that it's worth um, it's worth watching. It's very creepy, very contained. It's really two central strong performances, which are the two of them. They cast themselves, which is never a good idea, but in this case, <laughs> it really was. And they made it with them and their um, their DP. And they shot it in, or maybe it was their editor. I can't remember, because I think maybe uh, Justin shot it. But anyways, it, it um, it's very well made. Uh, very, I mean, the, on the level of just the filmmaking, everything's beautifully lit, beautifully shot. And they do some of their own compositing because there's a lot of, there's some digital effects in it. And um, it reminds me a lot of the, uh, a book called House of Leaves, horror book that I've always loved. It's, it's, um, it's mysterious and, and they're really good, these guys, at answering not all of the questions and not even some of the right questions, but leaving you wanting more every step of the way, right? Even even right through the end where there is some sort of thematic or emotional resolution, but the big uh, story questions, the big some of the big universal questions are left open. Uh, that's not doing a very good job of explaining it, explaining it, but when you see it, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, where do I see it? You can see it on Hulu uh, with a subscription and then pretty much everywhere else you can rent it. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we're going to check that out. Oh, and you you introduced me to uh, a song. You sent me that song, Tiny Desk. Mm. Oh, man, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. God, that's... I, I know, because it, it started out, I actually listened to an interview with the judges for that contest, the Tiny Desk Concert Contest, which they apparently they've been doing every year, and, and they allow unsigned or unrepresented musicians send in a, a, a song mm. that they have to record in one room at the same time, right, live. And then they select a winner. And um, just hearing these judges talk about their experience of listening to this song made me want to hear it. And man, is it is it deep. It's fantastic. Yeah. We'll definitely link that. What's the, what's the band's name again? It's, um, yeah, we should know this, right? Hold on, hold on. I'm Googling, I'm Googling. Googling noise. Tiny desk. Concert. Little Moon is the band. And the song is called Wonder Eye. Uh, if you just if you just type in Little Moon Tiny Desk, I think it'll give you a link to a page on NPR where you can see the video that they made and submitted, and uh, it's it's really worth listening to. I, I'm I'm gonna be looking for an album from these guys. Oh yeah, it's, 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 I was pretty 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 surprised by it. Never I've never heard a voice quite like that. I have uh, one last thing. Um, it's actually, I've never done this before. It's a, it's a Twitter feed I'm going to recommend. Oh, okay. And this has provided me no end of joy because whoever curates it is a comedic genius. 
And it is a Twitter handle called Terrible Maps. Have you seen this? I think I have, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Just go to go to Twitter and go to... Uh, it's at Terrible Maps. And some of these... For example, I'm reading the first one that comes up. It's a map of the world. And it says when a band announces a world tour, uh, it says world tour over North America. And then over South America, it says, I don't know. Uh, Europe, it says maybe three cities. Africa, no fucking chance. <laughs> Russia, no. <laughs> South Asia, probably. <laughs> and Australia, in seven years, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay hold on and we're gonna read this one usage of the word dang in the united states and it looks like a heat map it looks like a weather map and the south is hot the south is all red <laughs> most you most instances of dang and then uh mostly blue in the north of it what, what's this interesting hot spot of red up in the uh sort of like wyoming montana yeah. region there is a high incidence of dang uh happening up there what was it? What's the trance thing? The what? Oh, this it ways to divide France. Oh, nice people and not nice people, and not nice people part is just Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Election map of the U.S. If only one party voted, map if only Democrats voted, the whole country is blue. Map if only Republicans voted, the whole map is red. <laughs> Terrible maps. Terrible maps. The Well is produced, edited, and recorded by Anson Mount and me, Brandon Edgens. Theme music written by Jonathan Myberg and performed by Brandon Edgens. Until next time, have a good time. <laughs>